But at one point in time or at some point in time, these same consumers, because they're so new in the game, are going to be creators. That would be the name of the game right now. We're, 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 we're two years in. Everybody that's in this game right now, that's in this space, at one point in time, five years from now, are going to be experts. You're listening to KBCast, the cybersecurity podcast for all executives. Cutting through the jargon and hype to understand the landscape where risk and technology meet. Now, here's your host, Carissa Breen. Jason, welcome back to the show. You're like the original OG. I think you were like one of my first one to 10 interviews. So going back a long time now. So I'm really keen to get you back on the show. Uh, Knowing you, it's probably going to be a level of intensity that's off the charts. So really appreciate good energy. I'm going to keep the uh, energy through the whole uh, interview today. Uh, So thank you for coming back. How have you been anyway? I've been fantastic. Thanks for having me back. It's such a a wonderful situation to be back on this podcast. It's been so long since we've reunited, but everything is up and up. You know, Black Alchemy is still in effect. I'm doing my thing and living my life, you know? Yeah, well, you're just... um... You're just uh, going hard for uh, everything security, which we're going to get into today. So let's get into it. NFTs, so also known as non-fungible tokens, but WTF, what is this? Um, So many people are talking about this in the market, but you're already in this game. So just break it down as easily as you can, please. Not a problem. So I'm going to keep away from the the technical specificities of NFTs and go into the the outlay so your audience can really digest it. When you think NFTs, first and foremost, an NFT or non-fungible token is a technology. It's a more of a, a cryptological algorithm that specifies a lot of different capabilities. Uh, more, more commonly known, most people see NFTs as a digital image, and that's just the surface. Uh, the images that you're seeing are attached to smart contracts, which is a, uh, a new technological advancement where, you know, digitally you can have contracts uh, established based off of uh, different criteria that are electronically stored on the Ethereum blockchain, which is a very innovative thing. Uh, there's endless possibilities uh, in the NFT space. Uh, Just unfortunately, right now, a lot of people have the misconception that it is some form of digital art, when in fact, the digital art that you see is the overlay of an underlying technological uh, backbone that is so vast, so expansive and so uh, endless possibilities that I believe, you know, everybody's going to be in the NFT space within a few years, whether that's in uh, smart contracts with your utility bills uh, leveraging smart contracts for how you purchase vehicles, uh, even you know, to more recent terms, uh, the use of you know electronic voting uh, with smart contracts and uh, NFTs through you know voting in our political systems. Uh, what you're looking at with NFTs and more specifics is a technology that allows transparency across the entire board. There are no room. There is no room for uh, you know backend communications or um, let's just from a voting perspective, if you have uh, an open ledger system or, you know, a blockchain type technology uh, like NFTs uh, where people could purchase uh, or they could opt in to their voting uh, solution uh, where everybody could see it. It's such a, uh, 
I, I just I'm so amazed by NFTs. It's such a a wonderful technology. Unfortunately, uh, right now the market is so excuse me inundated with negativity, and by negativity I mean people trying to make uh, financial advantages over others, uh, scammers. Um, you know, there's a lot of things in the market that are causing uh, people on the outside to look at it with a lot of skepticism. But when you think NFT moving forward, what you should think first and foremost is something along these lines. Uh, back in the day, uh, you know, I'm 40 years old. So back in the day, uh, I would buy baseball cards and NBA basketball cards. And we're talking about the current NFT market. So back in the day, you buy a basketball card and it has, uh, you know, the rookies and those special mints and the, you know, the one of ones and the one of 500s and those specialty cards that have certain values based off of the community that uh, provides the value to it. For instance, if you weren't a basketball card trader, you probably don't see the value of having a LeBron James card. Now, excuse my references. I know they're pretty old, but uh, if you don't see the value in it, then that's just not the uh, the market for you to have value in. With the NFT space, there is there are multiple communities, let's just say different distributors of their own basketball cards that have their own uh, utility attached to these basketball cards. And I, I, I want to remove my uh, the tag of basketball cards and now place you know the NFT. When you join an NFT community, each NFT community is its own, uh, community. It's not connected to the old legacy systems like Twitter and Instagram and you know LinkedIn, where these single companies had the power to control the voice, to control the narrative, to control the output, to control the valuation, to control the monetization of everything under their organizations. In the NFT space, however, you're looking at a technology where people, anybody can come in and create their own project, based on their ability to, to, to engage people, based on their ability to create communities, they've established their own uh, community of interest where you are part of a, a club in these NFT communities. Each one that you see, whether it's Bored Ape or Cool Cats, and I'm not dropping any names for anybody listening to say, oh, I want to go buy this. I'm mentioning ones that are pretty prominent in the market. But when you think about these big projects and even the small ones, here's what's really happening you are adopting uh, or inserting yourself into a community that's been established by you know, the founders of that community, and they have their own rules, their own verbiage, their own language, their own code, and their own access to real-life events. Uh, the, the possibilities are very endless. However, it's really important to understand this. This is year three. So what you're seeing, what everybody's seeing and hearing about NFTs, yes, there's money involved and there's valuation and people are getting rich, people are getting scammed, people are losing money, but we're looking at year three. It's a very relatively new market, relatively new technology, and it has endless possibilities to incorporate uh, innovations that will change the way we live, how we do business, how we uh, conduct our, our, our healthcare systems, how we uh, conduct our daily business. Our pattern of lives will change based off of how innovative people can be by leveraging the NFT technology. Wow. Thank you. I think that was a really great explanation. Okay. So a couple of things in there. Number one, you, you referenced basketball cards. So I agree. Now, I think what was coming up in my mind is if you look at society and let's use LeBron James as an example, like he's number one basketball player. There's all this 
media press that how good he is and it's he obviously wins all these basketball games i'm you know if i'm saying something incorrectly i'm not massive basketball fan um so i apologize so bear with me but i think that that's what society deems that he is the best so of course his basketball card has inherent value over perhaps i don't know um another deck of cards which has no value for example and then I guess it's the same for like the luxury handbags market. Some people see value in buying a Chanel handbag because it's, you know, it's rare. There's only 10 of them made in the world for some particular um, design, for example. So it's the value goes up. But then I think a, a lot of that value is probably a lens being put on by society and by the, the media to say this is valuable because really at the end of the day, and I love bags as well, but it's just a bag. So how does that that translate into the nft space so for example we can sit there and say this thing's important to us and it's valuable but then how do other people think that it's valuable good question very good question and it's funny as you know art imitates life and light imitates arts is beautiful so just in the same vein of uh the demonstration or example that you gave about bags to your point Bags can be created in your backyard, or you can go and spend thousands upon thousands of dollars on a Louis Vuitton bag or, you know, a Michael Kors or whatever you, you know, your, your taste is. However, when you buy into these brands, 99% of people that buy these brands are buying the brand's illusion, the marketing, the advertisement, the, uh, the creation of that company's ability or the develop, development of that company's ability to advertise its value is really what makes it valuable in your eyes. I think we both know that a Louis Vuitton bag, the leather, the, the, the buttons, the upholstery, or you know, the intricacies that go involved that are involved in these bags definitely do not amount uh, to the value that they go for in the stores, nor do they amount do they equate to the value that other people put on them. And that's the same thing in the NFT space. In the NFT space, these images or these programs or these NFTs, let's just use that because remember, NFTs are a technology. It's not a, just a JPEG or it's not an image. It's a technology that is very, very, very complex, but beautiful and simple at the same time. However, when these communities build themselves up, right, and they say, hey, you know, I'm going to create uh, an NFT and I'm going to have the backbone of my NFT be focused on mental health. Now, I'm going to create an image that portrays my brand like something like a logo, right? So you have logos, the Louis Vuitton logo, the coach logo, or the coach brand or the image or their trademark. In the same vein, NFT communities or the people that found their own projects, they say, I'm going to establish a brand and that brand is going to have recognition based off of the image. Now, to the valuation. How do we create value in that image? How does that one image or that one person, that person's art or those group of people's art turn into or equate to a valuation that is, you know, anywhere from one ETH to 25 ETH or $50,000 to $100,000? This is where it gets tricky. The NFT community is so relatively small. We're looking at, you know, I'm not even going to get into the numbers, but it's relatively small. So the people that find value, number one, in cryptocurrencies already have an understanding of the Ethereum or which is the backbone currency of um, NFTs. They have an understanding that Ethereum, you know, it has its weight against the dollar. It's leveraged, you know, functionally against the dollar in some form or fashion. So 
whatever you buy in at, it usually, or 99% of the time, it's done with Ethereum, which all you know automatically inherits that value. Then the value that the community puts into the project, for instance, some projects come out with uh, very uh, innovative ways to create communities and say, look, if you come into our, if you buy into our NFT community, not only do you get to be a part of like-minded individuals who also bought into this product, but you have access to, for instance, mental health counseling. You have access to, um, you know, different memberships and private club entries, golf courses, um, you know, yacht clubs. These are real things. Uh, so the the valuation today, as it stands, is coming from the amount of utility that you can apply to the community of people that purchase your product. And in this case, the thing that is purchase, being purchased is the NFT. So it's just the same. It's the same formula, except it's been uh, reduced to a macro level. Instead of you having the traditional brands of yesteryear, Coach, you know, Fendi, Microsoft, uh, where these big companies spend thousands of millions and billions of dollars advertising to create number one brand awareness and to establish a brand function in your life to integrate their brand into your mind, believing that it has utility into your life. The NFT community is doing that on a very macro scale. They're doing it individually. They're compartmentalized. It's not one company that owns NFTs and people are trying to buy silos of that to create communities and create uh, you know, revenue streams based off of that. That's not what's happening. These communities come together and they say, hey, listen, I think I'm, you know, for instance, I'm thinking about creating an NFT project. What about? Uh, about uh, mental health awareness or about... Um, uh, teaching people more about privacy. Okay, so what are we doing with that? Well, I want to create an image. And this is, you know, of course, I'm, you know, paraphrasing, but I'm creating an image. And I want that image to convey not only a brand, whether it's a monkey, a dog, a sea leg or a bell, whatever that image is, for all intents and purposes, it's a brand that represents that community. Now, the people that decide to become part of that community have to be enticed. You have to entice through marketing, through right now, the main space where people are really pushing their product, unfortunately, in my opinion, is on Twitter. You know, you, you get, and they call it in the space, alpha. Alpha is the term that's leveraged to communicate incentives or, or valuable intelligence about a project, uh, similar to what's done on, you know, Twitter advertising. So these projects create their own buzz based off of their own ability to establish, number one, a story. Just like in you know traditional business, what is the story of the NFT? Well, seven some of it is science fiction, some of it's fiction, some of it's you know uh, proper science. Uh, different domains. There's no silo that keeps people contained. Uh, the, the 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 possibilities are endless when it comes to what you can create with NFTs. So they go in and they say, okay, well we're going to create our story. Our story is this: um, I was a guy and uh, or I was a female. And I went to the military. I got PTSD from a lot of time in, you know, in Iraq and Afghanistan. And now I'm realizing that there are a lot of people out here who need help. And I want to be able to provide help to these people. And the way that I do, I, the way that I plan on doing that is to create an NFT. And I'm going to, over a period of time, I'm going to project out a roadmap. I'm going to give everybody uh, on our website what I intend to do when I sell this project. Now, this is just one formula of creation of NFTs, but there's, you know, follow with me, follow me for a second. 
I'm going to create a roadmap. And I'm going to establish in that roadmap, you know, based off of how many NFTs I sell, how much money is, is driven uh, into the project. These are the things that I'm going to provide to the 10,000 to the 5,000 people that are part of my community. Free healthcare. I'm going to establish a relationship with Cigna Health and, and, and you know, Humana. And anybody that joins into this community that spends this $4,000 on one of these images, uh, that is actually a smart contract that actually says uh, legitimately that inside of this purchase, you will have access to healthcare and this type of healthcare and these types of, uh, of different uh, services. And then once that idea is formulated and they get together with a graphic designer, they get together with an, a smart contract developer. And then of course you have all the other uh, developers involved that create the, the, the economy and the entire universe of that NFT. Then they tie in the services, you know, that's what they're supposed to do. And we'll get into that later. Uh, they get into the services, they, 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 legitimize, they legitimize all of the offerings that they say that they're going to offer. And then they tie it into the smart contract and bam, now you have uh, the base premise of uh, mental health uh, solutions based off of the procurement of an NFT or more commonly uh, understood as an image that has given you a key to unlock elements of mental health. And now you're surrounded with a lot of other people that are on the same vein. Now, that group of people in that one silo, and we're specifically talking about this example of mental health, that group of people is are literally in a self-contained environment. There's no infrastructure. There's no top core company that can say at any given time, hey, you know what? I don't think that mental health is a good idea. Or let's, be, let's take away the conspiracy and add more real, real reality to it. At no point in time, uh, other than, you know, over time when the, the legal aspects become more mature, but at no point in time can, uh, what's a good healthcare company? Let's just say uh, CVS. CVS can't say, well, listen, we don't like this idea of people getting free healthcare on your product. So we're going to stop, you know, one of our services, which is going to impact you. That can't happen. NFT communities are siloed. They're, they're self-contained organizations, if you will. Um, an organization is, is not really the name. Uh, to use, but they're self-contained entities that establish their own community. They're like their own, and I'm going to use a strong word, uh, their own organizations, own gangs, own tribes. Tribe is a better word. They're their own tribes. And these tribes have their rules. They have their bylaws. They have their affiliations. They have their rankings. And instead of having a basketball card where you have to pull it out of a, a folder and say, hey, man, I collect basketball cards too. And the value of that basketball card is based off of the creator, like Upper Deck, which is the company, one of one company that makes basketball cards or trading cards, rather. Uh, Upper Deck is going to create the valuation because of how many cards they mint, how many of them are star players, how rare they are. That whole construct like Upper Deck did for the entire masses of car collectors. Now take that to a very condensed level and say, oh, these micro communities are creating their own rarity, their own um, valuations of specif specified cards or specified NFTs. Certain NFTs have different traits and certain access points that may cost more money, and that creates its own value. So, to your original questions, I didn't I didn't mean to go around my neck to get to my foot, but the valuation is de is determined by the people that find value in it. Number one, but it's up to the community to influence or to encourage people that the value is what it is. So. I say that to say a little comma. There are a lot of projects. I would say about 85 to 95% of projects out there today that 
There is no logical formula that exists that can accurately determine how the value was derived in that project. It's just out of the blue. So what I'm hearing, thank you for that. Um, So what I'm trying to follow, and correct me if I'm wrong, the only people that really matter are the ones probably in the community. So for example, if I created KB's Labrador community, the only people that are going to care and put value on it are the people that equally love Labradors, not someone that loves potting plants, for example. That's not that doesn't they don't find value in that. So is it more so? It's a lot smaller and it's more sort of um, closed knit rather than like going macro and it's we got to find value in everything. Like it's the people going to find value in that is people who like dogs, for example, or Labradors versus someone else that's doing something completely different, they may not find value in that. Is that what I'm hearing that you're saying or do I have this wrong? No, no, no. You actually have it spot on. The value is based off of those, the people who are, who find value in it. To your your example, uh, if you're creating a Labrador project, the Labrador project may not be valuable or have any kind of interest to a person who's a cat lover. Yes, and that's where I'm getting at. So I think that's perhaps where people may be confused on how it works. Because everyone's like, oh, who would find value in that? I'm like, well, you know, I don't know. I think someone said that they have an NFT project and it's about how the sun shines on the moon. That is very random. Um, I've never thought of that, but that maybe people find value in that. So for me, I don't find value in that personally but other people may. So is that what you're saying? Like, for example, okay, I'm going, you know, I'm just trying to come up with this as I'm speaking to you. Certain stores I find more value in than other stores. I don't like camping stores. I don't find value. I don't like camping. But clothing stores, sure, that's a very different conversation. But then someone equally who likes camping may not like clothing stores. Does that make sense? It does. And unfortunately, you're just scratching the surface of how that interest is pulled in psychologically. So think about it like this. While you have a, you have a friend uh, or associate, I forgot how you identified that person, but they are creating something, an NFT project about how the sun hits the moon or how the moon reflects the sun. Wonderful project. I don't find interest in anything from, you know, I don't find interest in that at all. Not right now. I don't see an interest. However, if you were to send, if I was on Twitter, and the ability of that project owner to engage people on Twitter, holding spaces, not only talking about how the sun hits the moon, but if they also go into how the moon affects uh, the diurnal cycle of the human body, and that may pique my interest. And then he also, or that person speaks to, that person says, hey, everybody who gets a part of this project, number one, we're going to have a weekly or we're going to have a yearly tour down to NASA and we're going to get to look at the space center. And then we're going to go to SpaceX. And then that says, okay, well, I didn't care about the moon hitting the sun, but you know what? For two ETH, I can be, you know, every year I can go see Elon Musk and actually possibly maybe be on a list to go to the moon. Those, those uh, marketing tactics, those incentivized uh, baiting solutions or situations are what makes the interest more compound. And I know I may, I hope that hit the mark. Yeah. That makes more sense. That makes more sense. I mean, that would entice me a bit more. Um, but then how true is that? Cause yeah, you said you got a smart contract, but then it's like, is that just null and void? Because it's like, Oh, it's a NFT. Like, you know, maybe the legal system doesn't, 
it's not regulated. So how do you enforce it? Right. And that's where we are now. So in the last two months specifically, we've seen the DOJ, the Department of Justice, uh, take some serious positions on uh, pursuing people that are not fulfilling the contractual obligations that they advertise in their NFT project, which is phenomenal for two sides of one coin, right? One side, you're looking at the United States actually saying, we understand this crypto, we understand that it's real. And not only do we understand it's real, we're going to establish some kind of framework to go after people who don't do uh, the, the things that they say they do in the project. That's one. Number two is, okay, now there's agency in it. Now that people, you know, because when it first started, there was no, there, like you said, there was no regulation. There are people, there are rugs, and that's what the terminology is used in the space. When you have a project that, you know, solicits or, or advertises that this is what they're going to do. And then all of a sudden, you know, after all of the, the images are sold or after all of the NFTs are sold on the, the marketplace, the owners and the founders just disappear because most people are not transparent. They haven't fully disclosed who they are behind these projects. And yes, you're probably saying to yourself, then why the heck would I invest into a situation where it's kind of shaky and I don't understand who's behind it? Well, that's just where we are. That's just where we are. People are there are there are projects out there where nobody is known by their real identity and then they just disappear with 25 million, 50 million, 100 million. So do people. What? Oh, God. 50 million. Uh, yes, we, that's a whole different show. That's a whole five hours to talk about the rug pulls and the scams and the hustles. Listen, there are people. I'm going to tell you like this. There are people that I know for a fact were probably living in a one bedroom apartment uh, six, eight months ago. No, nine months ago that are living in mansions in Puerto Rico now because of an NFT project. And they didn't do anything. They did a few Twitter spaces. But is it legit? No. Well, is oh wait, wait is what legit? So, okay, so this this person that you're, people that you've referenced, you said they're living in one bedroom, now living in some mansion and wherever. But is that through scheming people they got the mansion or because of legitimate ways? In my definition, I don't believe that, I, I believe that legitimacy is a very uh, uh, strong word. Do I believe that the, those people, this person in particular, did everything on the up and up? Like they said what they were going to do. They uh, applied truth and understanding and honesty into the product they were delivering? Absolutely not. You know, they went out and, you know, they got connected with a group of other people who were not necessarily nefarious and not necessarily scammers. They just knew how to manipulate people, which is no different than what Google does and what Facebook does with their ads and, you know, enticing you and manipulating you to buy a product that you probably don't need. And when you get the product, you're like, I don't really want this. And then by that time, you've already spent $50 or $100, $100 times 25000 You do the math. So then what happened to that person? They just disappeared off the face of the earth. And then what happens? Do people try to come after them? Well, they can't because they can't identify them. Well, that's why we have companies like mine. And you have, there's a few other companies that are, that's what they, that's what we specialize in. So are you trying to get this dude or what? Like, can you answer that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can answer that. We did expose that person and that person did, um, you know, they're undergoing some uh, serious uh, repercussions from a legal system. And also the community's upset. So you're looking at, think about it like this. It's not just the legal system that people are uh, starting to rattle, rattle now. You're talking about VCs who are 
you know, investors of major companies that are jumping behind certain project projects. And some of these projects are collaborating with other projects to increase their visibility, to increase their brand standing, to create more agency in their, their project. And then, you, you know, because there are no background checks, because there's no proper vetting process, now you have a situation where, you know, people are linking up with other projects that may be shady, but they didn't know they were shady. And now you've got really upset, highly uh, powerful people looking to find out who other people are for whatever reason. I'm, I'm trying to speak in between the lines. You've got, you know, let's just say, you know, you've got it's the streets out here. You've got people really upset. They just, you know, you just lost twenty five million dollars. And now you want to find out who was behind it. Now you're hiring every cowboy and every cyber investigator to go in there and, and try to unmask these people and do whatever act of ungodly holy that you want to do on them because you feel like you got slighted. And is that common? Absolutely. Right now it is. Wow. But how, how common are we talking here? Like eight and 10 uh, scams or one in 10 or like what are the numbers here? So when we use the word scam, please define scam. Scam is anything where it's just nefarious in nature or what? Well, I think, okay, let's go with like a financial loss. So the 25 million times, I mean, not maybe not necessarily that level all the time, but like people who lost money over these NFT scams. Yeah. Oof. So I would say, and I'm going to be very conservative. I'll say three out of 10, oh, more than that. Six out of 10, unfortunately, projects are what... What? Well, let's let's redefine scam. Scam. Let's use the word rub. So losing money, though, this is what gets. That's quite high. That's beyond. Well, that's that's a risk you take, and that's the problem with the NFT space. Oh man, I'm not ready to take that risk. Stuff that. Wait, wait, wait. Well, wait, wait, wait. Don't. That's because you're thinking about the NFT space or, or getting into NFTs for financial gain. When you shift your paradigm, which that's what the market's going to do. That's why we're in a bearish market right now. But when you shift your paradigm and say, okay, well, there's more than gaining money. Somebody buying an NFT so they can flip it two weeks later for three times its value. Yeah, that's where you lose. You're going to lose every time because those types of projects, we call them flipper projects. Those flipper or PFP profile picture projects, they don't really have any serious value. They just have a lot of hype. And when you invest into a project that has hype, you're going to fall always every time and unfortunately the hype uh concentration in the nft space is exponentially high but so but what if i legitimately saw a project and i thought okay i actually like this not for financial gain but more so i want to i believe in it let's use the labrador example and i put money behind it and then i got scammed that's the that's sort of that's what i'm saying like that's what i would personally be apprehensive Okay, so here's and here's there is always a solution to that, and that's one of the big things that we everybody talks about. Every one of the truth bears, if you will, in the space is this: number one, because there is a cash grab, and because a lot of people are looking at the financial incentive in the NFT space, there are a lot of scammers. So how do you watch out for scammers? How do you watch out for people who are just making a good illusion for you to join, and as soon as you join, and as soon as they sell their 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 number, they leave. Number one, do your research. You've got to do your research. Like, don't just look at the website and say, oh, I like Labradors. They have pictures of Labradors. They say that I should trust them. Let me spend 10000 for one of their images. No, or one of their NFTs, rather. Because this NFT gets me access to all of the Kennel Club, you know, per, per, you know do pedigree, you know, shows, whatever. Do your research. Number one, verify all of the claims. 
every NFT project has what's called a roadmap. Personally, I believe that the the roadmap uh, scenario is akin to uh, the pitch deck scenario when you're going after you know investments or fi- you know any kind of uh, financial bootstrapping for your business. It's the same thing. What are you going to do with the money? Every NFT project has one. They have a roadmap. Look at these roadmaps. Identify where you are in the roadmap. Like, are you on phase one, phase three, phase seven? Okay, so you jump in at phase seven of a project that's already done, you know, six other phases. Go into the Discord or go into their community. Ask and see. Look for the quantifiable evidence that they achieved every one of their uh, roadmaps. And that should give you a little bit more confidence on your, you know, your, your wanting to involve yourself with that project. Number two. How transparent is that project? Now, remember, we're talking about NFTs that are primarily premised under the Ethereum cryptocurrency, which is where you have, you know, it's a blockchain-based technology. So you have the ability to look and see the transactions, look at the wallet size of the project. Do they, are they spending their money in the project or, you know, by putting, reinvesting it into different things to achieve their roadmap or are they posting pictures? Are the owners posting pictures on their Twitter of Maseratis and Lamborghinis and yachts in a, in a country that you have never been to? Look at those things. Look at the ego. Look at the words that they say. There's there are ways to uh, basically narrow down uh, projects that are are less susceptible to being uh, rugged or scams. But a lot of people don't do that. People walk blindly into the space and they listen to other people instead of doing their own research. They follow a few Twitter handles. They pay somebody for some insider information. And then they invest $20,000. Six months later, the project doesn't exist. I think that's that's actually quite common, unfortunately. But that's not to say that the market is not going to be something grand. We're talking about Fortune 500. That, you know, We have multiple organizations that are really now starting to put their tracks into it. You have artists now who, you know, traditionally you'd have to go through a distributor and have a producer and you'd have to have all this. You have to sell your soul and the soul of your babies to even get into the music industry. And now you have artists that are coming out, uh, self-producing, leveraging their NFT art or their NFT music. Because remember, it's not just a picture. You could, you know, there's people doing film and they're leveraging their NFT creativity to finance the program to create a situation that is actually going to be viable for them and the people around them. And that's what you're seeing in the in the artist community, especially. You're seeing, you know, the 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 quote unquote starving artists now actually taking 75% of every sale instead of two cents of every sale, you know, on their on their on their on their work. Same thing with the artists. You know, the people who actually do art, who do graphic designers, who actually do real art, those artists are now having their platform to establish themselves and their brand on their own terms, not following under the big corporate types or the 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 the, the very draconian uh, contracts that some of these, you know, these uh, studios have. And also the thieving ones that, you know, they don't come out with anything at all. Now you have the opportunity as an artist, as a creator as an entrepreneur, as a politician, to establish not only your own community based off of your ability to innovate, you know, advertising and marketing and establishing a voice within yourself, but now you have a way to finance it. And now it's legitimate. So it's it's a it's a 50-50 when you look at uh, risk and reward. You have to say to yourself, okay, why am I in this space? Am I in this space to create a community? Am I in this space to change the world? Am I in this space to, to run for political office? What am I doing here? Now you have the ability to do it. You don't have the censorship 
of the big corporate types or the you know the you know the big tech industries who have that ability to silence you on Twitter or Facebook. And I'm not knocking any of these platforms. Obviously, we're leveraging uh, the technology now on certain elements. What I'm saying is now the power is in the hands of the creator to do things that they couldn't even dream up five years ago. And that's what we have to stay focused on when we think about NFTs. It's Is the market a little bit, and I'm going to use a very uh, lower vibration term, is the market inundated with shady activity? Absolutely. Same thing was with crypto 10 years ago. You know, you first got into Bitcoin, you got into all these other cryptocurrencies. Everybody was IPOing or ICOing, and then they were just falling off until, you know, everybody stood up and said, hey, I'm not going to I'm not going to deal with this anymore. I want to have viable, um, you know, uh, security about the investments I have. And then the market established its own rules of regulation. And now we are at a place where even though crypto is a little bit uh, unstable at the moment, it has more legitimacy than it did five to 10 years ago. And that's where we are with the NFT community. Give it time. So there was something that came out in Bloomberg that Bill Gates made a statement saying that NFTs are shams based on greater fool theory. What are your thoughts on that? I, I can resonate with that message. I understand where it comes from. From an outside looking in, and Bill Gates most definitely is not an outsider, but he's definitely not an insider in the game. He probably has a large team of people around him giving him insights on how the market currently is. What he just said, or what that statement uh, says is that he's seen it from where it is now, not the value that it could or the potential that it could have at a later time. Yes, he's spot on. It, it's definitely almost a fool's errand to, and I'm using my words very wisely, but it's almost a fool's errand right now. It's for anybody to jump into another anybody else's project, especially when you can create your own. The, the name of the game in the NFT space is to create, not to be a consumer. And, and, and in five years, mark my words. But don't you need the consumers, though, to like buy into it? Everybody needs fuel. That's what I'm saying. Because like you were saying with the scams that people were buying like $25,000 or whatever you were saying, or $25 million they put into this thing and then they got scammed. Like someone has to buy into it at some point. Like we can't all just sit there and be creators. Like we need other people to fuel that creation. Right. So, but here's the beauty of that. So the scenario we're in now where you need people to fuel it because there's so much skepticism in the market, nobody's buying into the foolery of yesterday. Now you have to come better. Before, all you had to do is create a website, you know, spend maybe $500 on the dark net to get a, a, a stolen or a compromised or a, a tradable uh, verified Twitter account change the Twitter account, create a name for your project. Now you have a verified mark. Then you go hire some influencers you call, you know, and these 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 influencers now are just, they're, they're the real scammers. Don't get me started on that. But you call up an influencer, you call up Floyd Mayweather. Yeah, I see use that name for a reason. And you say, hey, I'm going to pay you a million dollars just to put your name on the back of my NFT. And now I'm going to use your name to sell my legitimacy. And then Floyd Mayweather and entire team takes away with $7 million. That is, those days are over now because unless you're a new person coming in and all you're doing is hearing information about the NFT uh, community from scammers, but everybody in the NFT community knows now, hey, don't trust influencers. So now creators are being forced to create more robust, more intricate, more uh, elaborate programs and projects that will entice people to, to adopt into the, not only adopt into the NFT game, but adopt into their ideology or their idea of what an NFT project is. So 
what am I saying in more uh, precise and concise terms? The maturity of the NFT space has now forced the creators to develop more elaborate and intricate systems to bring in new adopters of the NFT, uh, let's just say, technology into their lives. So, yes, those new consumers that are coming in, they're the fuel. But at one point in time or at some point in time, these same consumers, because we're so new in the game, are going to be creators. That would be the name of the game right now. We're, we're, we're two years in. Everybody that's in this game right now, that's in this space, at one point in time, five years from now, are going to be experts into a very highly complicated, highly complex system. And they're going to have the ability to consult, give advice on how to create better. And that's how any architecture works. You know, that's, you know, just looking at, you know, the human, the, the human progression. You know, we take lessons from our past and we understand those lessons and we build upon them. And now, even through instinct and, and through, you know, normal pay, uh, human behavior, you're not going to make those mistakes again, hopefully. And if you do, shame on you. You know, fool me twice, you know, shame on me. Not going to fool me again, like Bush says. Wow. Wow. There's so much... It just it kind of gives me Ponzi scheme vibes a little bit, if I'm honest. Like as you're speaking, like a little bit. Like I'm just being, I'm playing devil's advocate. I want to, I want to have the real conversation. Like this is stuff that people have said to me. It feels like a Ponzi scheme. Like all of this that I'm asking you is what conversations I've had on the street with people to have this conversation. And they're not incorrect, but they're not also correct. But this is what gets me. What? <laughs> okay, go. So here's the thing. It's like it's like saying that. It's like saying this. All laptops are, in it for you know, and you know me personally, so I will stand by the statement saying all laptops are intellect, uh, uh, intelligence collection devices. All they do is collect information about you and, you know, now your privacy exposed. And then you say, to my, you, say to, you say to me, Jason, you're talking about all laptops? And I say, yes, all laptops are intelligence collection devices. And we don't talk about the function of the laptop. We don't talk about the fact that you can process word documents that you can look at websites that you can do all this other stuff but because so many people have been scammed on this laptop uh, scenario and because i'm a security person i'm going to speak through a lens of my expertise and i'm going to stick by and say yes it is true that laptops are intelligence collection devices however there are other more robust capabilities within this laptop that may negate the negativity that some people have experienced that's where we are. Is it a scam? Is it a Ponzi scheme? It has the propensity and the potential to be a very elaborate and very functional Ponzi scheme. But in that same vein, that 1% of Ponzi scheme uh, vision that people see it through, or the, the lens of which they see the NFT uh, industry, if you will, through that Ponzi scheme look, they're not looking at the 98% or the 99% of other options, capabilities, and innovations that it has the potential to changing our lives. And unfortunately, that's where we are. I really don't want, I really like in my heart of hearts for you and everybody else uh, who's not uh, really familiar, and I'm not saying you're not, I'm saying anybody who's not familiar with the NFT space, don't allow the headlines to dictate how you feel about it. Understand that NFTs are not an image, it is a technology. And that technology has the capacity to change the way we live our lives. However, the way we are using it right now is only for very small, small, for it's highly focused on, on only generating revenue. Small portions of it are. The rest of the communities are trying to build things and make our lives better. It's just like the, 
the human system with uh, nuclear weapons, right? We have nuclear technology, NFT. We have nuclear technology. And the nuclear technology has the ability to not only create perpetual energy to, uh, to, to do uh, science that we've never done before, but because humans are humans, the first thing that we went through or went for with nuclear technology or one of the mo mo main things that people know nuclear technology for is its destruction capacity. And that's not what all nuclear technology is used for. There's medical applications. There's so many things that we can do with it. But because we're humans in a certain silo living in a certain era, we understand it to be, oh, well, I can blow people up with it and it wins wars. Well, okay, well, that's one thing. But, you know, you can cure cancer and you could also you know, possibly solve AIDS. You know, of course, I, I, you know, I pulled that out of the sky. But that's the same way that NFTs are being postured right now. It's being postured that way because, you know, new sales. So when you turn on Coin, Cointel or, you know, Binance uh, reports or Yahoo uh, tech and you see NFTs, you're only going to hear about the blue chip stocks like the board apes and the this and the moon. You're going to hear about those big ones where people are selling it for $50 million and there's no you know way to identify that person. And then you're going to hear about the scams. You're going to, have, you're going to hear about the pain. Very rarely are you going to have a news agency or anybody uh, on a platform uh, that is widely digested that speaks to all of the wonders and the magic of NFTs. And that's specifically why I'm going to NFT NYC in a few days. And that's why I'm speaking there on the same topics we're talking about now, because I see the potential and I also see the danger of people not fully digesting what its capabilities are and then pawning it off or just charging it off to being nothing but trash when it's so many things you can do. So many ways that we can we can change the way we vote. We can change the way we run our, our, our political systems. We can, the transparency of the blockchain uh, on top of the fact that you can tokenize different elements of this technology to provide validation of, of, of work, validation of utilization, validation of, 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 of a, geolo a geographical location. There's so many things that we haven't allowed our brains to fully emerge ourselves into to create the, the various innovative capacity, capabilities that the NFT community or the NFT technology can, is, is capable of. Just wait for it is what I say. So, okay, I'm curious to know, I released a podcast episode this week about cryptocurrencies and the scam and everything like that. Um, researcher from Tenable, great guy. Long story short, someone responds with, oh, but cryptocurrency is worth nothing now as per the stock market. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Okay. So that person, whoever said that, um, they're seeing the market through a certain lens. What do I think about the crypto market is taking a dump right now? It sure is. Absolutely. It is. Why is it taking a dump? Well, there's about 15 main variables that are establishing it's the bear market that we're in. Number one, the lack of, of, of regulation in the crypto market has opened up the channels for lots of... <laughs> Let's just use the word scams. Lots of people claiming to do one thing but not doing another because the transparency, while blockchain provides transparency and you know the open ledger technology, a lot of people aren't really effectively doing their research. A lot of people are blindly investing and they're getting into situations that they know nothing about. Then you don't you have the accountability aspect of it too. You know, look at Luna, and I I, I don't hate not uh, to mention Luna because. What, what's going on with Luna, which was a very big crypto project, 
Um, and they're not the only ones, but you know, for all intents and purposes, they had a technology, they had a cryptocurrency that was pegged to the dollar that was allegedly only uh, would never go below the value of the dollar. And it dumped down to like 25, 30 cents, and then it tanked. The whole system crashed. Why? Uh, <laughs> improper algorithm construction, uh, improper valuation. You know, it's, it's <laughs> I'm going to say something I might regret. And I just, I'm okay with it because I stand by everything I say. But you're looking at, you're looking at cryptocurrencies are a relatively new situation created by a relatively new generation with high intellect. You know, this this generation that's creating these algorithms, they're 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 geniuses. You know, the the creativity that they have with the development of the mathematic formulas that create the values of these cryptocurrencies that they establish. However, comma, they're still, and I mean this with respect, they're still kids. They don't have the maturity, the experience, and the the tenure in the space of finance or in, in eco- economics to say, well, this is this is the experience-based feedback or retribution. If, you know, or, or, or this is the experience-based decision that I'm making on creating this. And if it fails, here's the fail-safe. The fail-safe in this space is the Wild Wild West. No regulation. There's no real oversight. Yeah, while well, the SEC does what it does. The, the, the cryptocurrency market right now, I believe it's making its correction into a space where it's going to have more um, regulation, more uh, expectation of responsibility to the people that invest in it. And unfortunately, that's going to create an an element of the market where people are going to be uh, dismayed by it. Because one of the fun things about certain aspects of crypto is the not its anonymity. It's the ability that you can you don't have to go out and give up your first name, last name, the whole KYC AML. You don't have to give up everything about your identity to hold or possess it. You know, that's one of the what that was one of the attractive portions of it. You know, you go out there right now and try to buy a thousand stocks or two thousand stocks of of Apple without your name. That's going to be impossible. You have to give up your whole you have to give a pound of blood and and two ounces of flesh uh, just to be a part of that system. In crypto, the what entices people is, you know, fast gains. And anytime you have high risk, you know, uh, a high reward system, you have high risk. So that's one thing. Number two, it's not really established itself it is not it's not really there's no serious agency no serious integration into the economic uh, uh, situation that we live in so you're dealing with a lot of speculation hype and 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 advertising and that's part of the reason why it's crashing and i believe that every market should crash so that it can correct itself and be more resilient in the future so to that person if they want to be the person that they are, which, you know, making the statements they have by looking, you know, from a bird's eye view and saying, oh, it's all, you know, it's falling down, it's crapping. Well, yeah, it was kind of supposed to. In order for any any economic technological uh, system to be uh, resilient, to be stable, to be, uh, a, you know, a finite uh, establishment in, in, our, in, our, in our reality, it has to fall. In order to become whole, one must become broken. And that's, you know, that's the Tao Te Ching. And I understand, I believe that. I believe that this breaking of the system is going to make a correction that's going to make it more resilient. And we just have to give it time. And that's me being very positive, but I'm also basing it on, you know, past experience with all technologies. No, I do agree with you there. And I think, like I said, it's, it's economics. It does, I mean, things can't keep going the way they're going. Like there's so many articles out there, especially in Australia, like eight or $9 for lettuce. Like, you serious? uh that's that's crazy like we we haven't seen this stuff in our lifetime but then i guess 
it's going to crash and then it's just going to wash through. It's just going to take time. So I do agree with you. But one of the things I was curious about is you said, obviously, if you buy stocks in the stock market, yes, you need to have your identity and all of that. But you're saying the attraction towards like crypto, for example, is people want to remain anonymous. But why would they want to remain anonymous? For me, that just feels like a breeding ground for criminal activity. Mm. I'm going to answer that question with an experience. Um, So just full transparency. I am a part of the, you know, what, what do you call the ape community? Yes. You know, my business partner and I uh, own board apes, right? The, the relevancy of that story, of this story is this. A year ago, my business partner um, reached out to me. I was, you know, in, in the islands. I think you're seeing some of my posts. I was out in the islands doing my meditation sessions and really uh, just working on myself and, and establishing more elements of my business. And I get a call. I'm on the beach. He's like, Jay, check this out. There's this thing, NFT stuff, man. I need you to do some research and write a report on it, please. People need to know about NFTs. And I literally said to myself, I said to him, I said off the cuff. I was literally coming out of my my yoga meditation. And I, I thought before I spoke, but I the first thing that went through my head, like a Rolodex, like a screenplay, it was like all the news articles, just to your point, that I had read about the scams in it. And I responded with this, brother, are you serious? The only thing NFTs and crypto is good for at this point right now is money laundering. It's unregulated. It's unmonitored. If you wanted to, if you, if, 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 if uh, Pablo Escobar was still alive, he would have a field day with this because he'd be able to move all types of money through uh, laundromats or technological laundromats. You know, laundromat is the key word for, you know, money laundering here or the engine rather. And that's all it's doing. Why do we need to write a report about that? And his response to me was the same one I'm going to give you or something along the same vein. Remaining anonymous is a feature that can go both ways, just like crypto and NFTs. Anonymity is freedom. It's the ability to do and live in your truest form without oversight and regulation. However, all freedom comes at a cost. All freedom comes at a cost of whether or not that freedom is leveraged for the better good or for nefarium. That's a choice that we make in all our lives. The laptop that you use right now or this computer, the system that we're using right now can be used for this radio, uh, this podcast, or it could be used to facilitate or uh, strategically organize a hit on somebody. You know, the, what we do with the mediums that are available are up to us because anonymity, and I know I'm butchering that, but because anonymity is you know synonymous with nefarium on certain levels and i can understand that most people think dark net you know it's uh, nobody's anonymous it can't be tracked but it's also freedom it's also the ability to 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 possess wealth without organizational or governmental oversight it's the it's the ability to enact change in systems where regulation and 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 and, and uh, surveillance are a mainstay and the ability to navigate those waters in stealth. That's a freedom. That's a, that's a power. And I'm not talking about any anarchy or uh, political systems. I'm saying this. If you look at the ability or think about the many times that people don't want to identify themselves based off of their ego, emotions, ideology, uh, racism, gender, genderism, you know, all of those different separatists or separating qualities because identity is associated with it. Your ability to have a voice without a name 
sometimes gives people more power. Your ability to transfer money or move things freely without regulation gives you a lot of more freedom to do the things that you need to do to accomplish the tasks that you may want. Whether or not that that agenda is in line with an institution like a bank or a government organization, or that agenda is about something personal about your life, about being free and your ability to express yourself and make choices about your life and your body that you know only you should make choices about, not some government. That freedom comes with a cost. And in this case, that 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 anonymous activity, while it may have it may have been baked in ovens of negativity and nefarium by the perceivers of others, but it also is the backbone of a lot of innovative uh, and future, you know, innovative uh, technologies and capabilities that we've never seen before. Talking behind a shadow and behind a mask is a good thing and a bad thing, depending on what side of the road you're sitting. You know. Wow. Well, I guess. I, yeah, I, I can't. I can't fault your answer. I think that. I think it's still this whole thing does still get to me a little bit. I'll be honest. Um, but I mean, I wanted to have this conversation. I wanted to bring someone who's in this game, like yourself, to share some of people's questions. So, like, this is what this platform's about. It's about asking the question. That's I'm just facilitating. I'm not here to dictate or make judgment. I'm just here to ask the questions people want to know, and it's up to people to make their own decision about what they want to do. Still, um, you know, I'm still quite I'm, – I'm on the fence about this one, so I'm not – I don't know. Give me some more time. Really, really loved uh, your insight, uh, your frankness, your honesty, um, your, your realness and, and your rawness about the space because I think that's what we need and that's why this platform exists, to give people a voice um, to talk through the, their thoughts. And, and I want to ask real questions and hard questions and get real answers. So thanks, Jason. Thanks for coming on the show. Hey, I appreciate being here. It's always an honor and a blessing to be here with you. I appreciate what you stand for and what KBI is doing, bringing the voice to the people. I love it. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for tuning in. We hope that you found today's episode useful and you took away a few key points. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast to get our latest episodes. If you'd like to find out how KBI can help grow your cyber business, then please head over to kbi.digital. This podcast was brought to you by KBI.media, the voice of cyber.